Hello and welcome to episode 158 of Monster Kid Radio, your podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the episode featuring the 2014 Monster Kid Radio Holiday Gift Guide. We're going to make this a tradition here on Monster Kid Radio. Every December, we're going to put out an episode highlighting what I think might be some interesting gift choices for the monster kid in your life or for yourself. So stay tuned for that. We've got that coming up. That's what we're doing in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I'm excited to dive into that. But before we get to that, as always, we got to talk about MonsterKidRadio.net. That's our website. That's where you're going to find everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. Here you're going to find things like our contact information. Our email address is MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. You can also find a link to our Facebook group where people are chatting it up between shows. We also have a link to our live 365 internet radio station where you can listen to the best sounds and music from classic monster movies. It's free at live 365. We also have a Patreon page. Now I've contacted all of the patrons of monster kid radio, everybody who supports us through Patreon. I'm going to restructure the reward levels and everything else over there on Patreon in early 2015. So I appreciate everybody who has supported Monster Kid Radio this year. People like Maya Duncan, Scott and Tracy Morris from Disney, Indiana, Stephen D. Sullivan from StephenDSullivan.com, Steve Turner and Tom and Eileen, a.k.a. Wolfie. And of course, earlier this month, I thanked Andy Campbell, Joseph Perry, and Justin Giallo. So again, thank you for your support of Monster Kid Radio. Check your messages over at Patreon, everybody who has supported us, and you'll learn a little bit more about the restructuring of the Patreon page coming soon. We also have a link to the Amazon store. Now, I don't talk about this very much, but I am going to talk about it this time because every item that I mention on the gift guide if it's available on Amazon, I'm going to make sure there's a link to it over there. Clicking on the Amazon store link will take you to what we call the Monster Kid Radio Laboratory. And it is set to default directly to the Holiday Gift Guide section. You can pick up any movie over there that we talk about. Like I said, if it's available on Amazon, it's there. Books are there. So go check that out. And if you do buy the movie or book or whatever through Amazon, we get like a penny or two per purchase. So that's another way you can help support the show. Of course, the best way to support the show is just do what you're doing now. You're listening to us. That's really all I need. Before we get to the gift guide, I want to go over an email that we received from Chris Franklin. He's one of the co-hosts of the Supermates podcast. Hi, Derek. Enjoyed your chat with Dr. Gain Green on Vincent Price. I have to say this show, and especially your episodes with The Good Doctor, have really made me a fan of Mr. Price's horror work. Of course, growing up, I was familiar with Price, from Batman and the Brady Bunch to the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Thriller, etc. But I hadn't actually seen much of his classic horror movie output. After you piqued my interest here, I've watched House of Wax and The Haunted Palace and several other Price flicks and have really enjoyed them. So thanks to both of you for giving me some great classic horror films to seek out. It's working. I recall the comic ads for the Vincent Price Shrunken Head Apple Kit. It was on the back of many DC comics of the mid-70s. When I got into back issue collecting, it seemed like a constant presence. Here's a link to the ad with art by Mad Magazine's Mort Drucker. He gave me a link to Retronaut.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that particular image. I'd like to wish you an early happy birthday. My birthday is the very next day, so I now know I'm in good company. Happy holidays to you and yours, Chris. 
So right off the bat, happy birthday to you. And you know what? There are a number of Monster Kid Radio regulars and supporters who are also having birthdays this month. So happy birthday to you, Chris, and everybody else. You know who you are. I'm afraid if I start going through the list, I'm going to miss somebody. So uh, yeah, uh, you guys and gals know who you are. Happy birthday from me. So yeah, you know, I also remember seeing the ad for the Shrunken Head Apple Kit on the back of many a comic. The Supermates podcast is all about, you know, geek culture, comic books, that sort of thing. So, of course, Chris is very familiar with this ad as well. And like I said, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to retronaut.com slash wp-content slash upload. Anyway, link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. Also, Larry himself put a post on Facebook, uh, Dr. Gang Green, that is, put a post on Facebook showing the kit as well so you can go check that out chris thank you for writing in again if you want to write in and be part of the show with your feedback monsterkidradio at gmail.com is the way to go when it comes to email when it comes to voicemails again our voicemail line is 503-479-5657 all right let's go ahead and dive into the holiday gift guide we'll get to that right after this it is safe to state that the grandchildren of some of the people in this dinner will not be born on Earth. They come from the bowels of hell. A transformed race of walking dead. Zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from outer space. Starring the most frightmarish cast ever. Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampire, and Thor Johnson as the walking dead. Turn off your electro gun! No! bounce off their bodies. Rockets, missiles, jets cannot stop their death ships. What earthly power can stop this terror? For a glimpse of things to come, see this blast of screen suspense. For it could be happening right now. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com 
Should I have said hammer pants? 1951 Down Place, the home of Hammer Films discussion. A billion stars, a lonely ship streaks along an endless path. It's the mammoth starship Enterprise. Follow her trackless journey each week on Star Trek. William Shatner stars as Captain James Kirk, starship commander. And Leonard Nimoy stars as science officer Spock, half Earthling, half Vulcanian. There are hazards that beset the Enterprise and its crew on board ship and on alien planets. Don't miss Star Trek in color. of evil, running amok, blazing a trail of fear-crazed horror. From the jungle's most guarded secret comes this amazing story of a captive wild woman, torn between the mad cravings of animal blood and the longing for human love. A woman whose jungle instincts give her sinister power over man and beast. And suppose your experiment does succeed. What will you have? A human form with animal instincts. You know what the priests do to they catch you? No, of course you don't. They'll put you on trial. Then they'll put you in the electric chair and kill you. Hi, this is Gregory William Mank, classic horror film historian, author of the newly published book, The Very Witching Time of Night, Dark Alleys of Classic Horror Cinema, and such books as Beta Lugosi and Boris Karloff, the expanded story of a haunting collaboration. And you are listening to Monster Kid Radio. Let's kick off the gift guide with some movies. So she appeared in various television westerns, dramatic films, and soap operas. She worked with Jerry Lewis, Tom Selleck, and Clint Eastwood. She could be seen on shows like Thriller, Twilight Zone, and The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, but it's perhaps her appearance in a rejected TV pilot that would serve as a gateway for us monster kids to be exposed to Susan Oliver. Now, in the mid-60s, Susan Oliver was cast as a female romantic lead in The Cage, the original pilot for the original Star Trek. And I think most monster kids have watched their fair share of classic Trek, so they know that The Cage didn't pass muster with the studio. The Cage was shelved. A new pilot with a new cast, with the exception of Leonard Nimoy, was produced, and the rest is Star Trek history. Now, even though The Cage would be chopped up and used in the Star Trek episodes The Menagerie, Parts 1 and 2, Susan Oliver could be seen by Star Trek fans every week because she would show up in the end credits of every single episode. The dancing Orion slave girl? Yeah, that's her. And as a lifelong Star Trek fan, I knew that. But the importance of that fact that this actress who appeared in a rejected pilot somehow ended up with a shot from one of her scenes in the end credits of the series that was launched after a second pilot was produced? The significance of that was pointed out to me in the documentary The Green Girl. 
Now, directed by George A. Pappy Jr., The Green Girl tells us the story of Susan Oliver. Now, she was so much more than the dancing Orion in Star Trek. And thanks to the research, the film and television clips, and the interviews with over 30 different friends, family members, and co-workers of Oliver's, we come to know a much more dynamic and fascinating person than someone whose full Star Trek appearance wasn't really even aired on television until 1988. Yeah, that's when the cage finally got some TV time. In The Green Girl, we learn that Susan Oliver was a pilot and a director, and we learn about the impact that she had on people with whom she worked. Now, I realize The Green Girl might be a bit of a stretch for some Monster Kid Radio holiday wish list since it's not just about Oliver's genre work, which is admittedly a very small part of her career. However, her work in Star Trek serves as a gateway into a broader career overview that I found fascinating. You can find out more about The Green Girl at thegreengirlmovie.com. It is available for sale on DVD, or you can stream or rent it online as well. For fans of the original Star Trek, there's no forgetting Susan Oliver. Susan Oliver's Vena is really kind of uh, iconic. When I first put up a website, I had more emails from people about Susan Oliver than any other subject. Who are you? You know who I am? She was on Wagon Train four times. Route 66. Susan was in three of those. She did an early Ozzie and Harriet episode. The Twilight Zone. Susan Oliver. Susan you have Susan Oliver, who was almost always on the first choice list to be the female guest star in these shows. She was just so versatile, sort of like a chameleon. And for television, it was perfect. You liked her. You believed her. When the close-up was here, she was thinking... I think what counts is taking charge of your life. Susan Oliver makes final preparations for a solo flight to Moscow. She won five world records in flying light planes. She was one of the first women to fly the Learjet. I'll never know why she turned down a seven-year contract to Warner Brothers. Why isn't she doing a series? There were very few actresses who were that prolific who didn't get a series. She turned it down. That is surprising. She didn't want to be locked into anything. She didn't want to be controlled. She wanted to write. She wanted to direct. I want to make films. Do you realize that in my 18 years in the business, I've never worked with a woman director? For a woman to direct a film would be like a woman playing professional football. That's how bad it was. She directed a MASH. That was a very prestigious show. Our crew just wasn't ready. Wasn't ready for a female director at that time. She should have acted in all kinds of things and didn't have that opportunity because she didn't behave the way they wanted her to behave. She was just so watchable and endearing. What happened? How did somebody who was that good not have the kind of star career that her star power sort of justified? In my in the former Ackermansion Ac- number one in uh, 1951, when I moved in and portioned the collection all around the place. Eventually, it even took over the kitchen. And when my wife came home and uh, opened the refrigerator and found reels of film in it instead of food while she realized the end had come. I thought, well, you know, what, what's the use of having all of, all of this and nobody ever sees it? So I began in 1951, uh, every weekend that I was home and not in Taiwan or Transylvania or someplace, just to invite the public. 
And uh, when I moved here 25 years ago, I carried it on. So uh, to this day, uh, say approximately 40 times a, a year, I have an open house. It's generally from, uh, supposed to be from 11 to 12, but uh, after the, uh, the tour proper is over, people want to sit, sit around and listen to my tales of Karloff and Lugosi and H.G. Wells and Edgar Rice Burroughs and so on, why I entertain them for another half hour. Uh, I guess I'm just a very gregarious individual, and uh, it, it goes back to early days when uh, to be a fan was a real rare thing, and we treasured uh, meeting everybody and anybody who was interested in science fiction, and now it's uh, fairly common, but uh, although from 1951 to now, I'd sometimes think everybody on Earth must have seen me twice, but they still keep coming out of the woodwork. Now, another documentary that will definitely appeal to Monster Kids is Uncle Forey's Acker Mansions from director Streffen Taylor. It runs just over an hour, and it takes viewers on a tour of all three of Forrest J. Ackerman's homes slash museums. The original editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland was well known as a collector of genre film memorabilia, and through historical photos and voiceover narration provided by Uncle Forey himself, culled from various interviews and recordings over the years, we get a guided tour through his collections. Now, unfortunately, I never had a chance to meet Forrest J. Ackerman, but I've seen and read plenty of interviews with him, and of course I've read old issues of Famous Monsters of Filmland. His impact and influence on what we now recognize as fandom is immense without question. And if the stories are true, and I have no reason to believe that they're not, he seemed like a genuinely nice guy who was willing to share his stories and his collections with fellow fans and kindred spirits. He even mentions in the documentary that if somebody coming through his home managed to steal some piece of his collection, eh, it was just some small price to pay for bringing so much enjoyment to everyone else who cares to listen to his tales. Now, I've been calling this a documentary. That might be just a touch Misleading, to be honest, but that's not a knock on Uncle Forey's Mansions. Maybe it's better to call this a video scrapbook. The material in this DVD is phenomenal, and to have Ackerman himself telling stories about his history as a collector, as someone who was involved in science fiction fandom at a very early age, maybe even somebody who created the cosplay phenomenon, somebody who was a friend of people like Ray Bradbury, you know, it's pretty remarkable. Some of these stories you might have heard before, like how Hackerman came up with the comic character Vampirella. But you might not have heard of these stories over pictures of Barbara Steele looking spooky as she stares uncomfortably at Uncle Forey's collection of film memorabilia. Or Uncle Forey himself jokingly tearing up and stomping on a rival monster magazine. Now, in addition to this record of Ackerman's various collections and in Acker Mansions, you'll also get a few extras, like his appearance on the Bob Wilkins-hosted Creature Feature program. You can find Uncle Forey's Acker Mansions at November Fire's website at novemberfire.com. The DVD sells for $15, and for this amazing digital scrapbook, I think it's a steal. 
I believe you can also pick it up through Amazon, but the supply here again is November Fire. You might find more interesting things than just a DVD if you go to NovemberFire.com. Journey into double terror with the late night double feature with X, the fiend from beyond space, and the wall people. A crew of interstellar explorers must fight an unstoppable alien fiend from beyond space, hell-bent on consuming them all. Will they survive? Can they survive? And on the same program, a man must fight to save his only child from the clutches of strange invaders who use their advanced technologies to steal sleeping children through their bedroom walls. Are your children safe? Two terrors to tear you apart in the late night double feature. All right, I'm going to be completely honest here. I consider Christopher Armim a friend. But before I started calling myself his friend, I was calling myself his fan. And for good reason. Whenever there's a new movie coming out of what's known as the Mimiverse, I know I'm in for a treat. For those of you who haven't heard him on the show before or aren't familiar with what he does, what he does is this. He makes movies in the style of the 50s sci-fi and horror films. They're a little cheesy at times, intentionally, and the reverence Mim has for these films is immediately evident to anyone popping one of his movies into their DVD player. Now, since 2006, he's released a new feature-length film every year, but this year was a little different. This year, he released two shorter movies joined together as the Late Night Double Feature. There are essentially two short movies in the Late Night Double Feature, X, The Fiend from Beyond Space, and The Wall People. These are two completely different kinds of stories. One's a weird supernatural tale involving shifting realities and some awesome monster movie magic. And the other is a science fiction story set in the future where, as the DVD cover says, no one can hear you die. (laughs) Now, both stories are sharply written, and Mim is on track in terms of topping himself with each successive movie. The Late Night Double Feature has an amazing monster, courtesy of master monster maker Mitch Gonzalez. And I already mentioned some other movie magic that definitely left an impression, thanks to animator Norman Yeand. Those familiar with the other movies in the Mimiverse will see some familiar faces and familiar characters, but you don't have to have seen the other films to get the Late Night Double Feature. Although, it wouldn't hurt if you did. You can find the Late Night Double Feature at SaintEuphoria.com. That's Saint spelled out, and Euphoria is E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A.com. Over there, it sells for $9.99, or you can pick it up along with two other MIM movies right now as part of a holiday sale, only $25 for three DVDs. Now, we jokingly, yet reverently, call Boris Karloff one of the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio. If Karloff is in the movie... It has a place here on MKR, and that's why the 15-part serial, The Hope Diamond Mystery, is on the Monster Kid Radio gift guide this year. Now, this 1921 production is a fascinating example of the serial art form, telling a complex story crossing two different time periods with actors and actresses believably playing different roles. And it was restored and released by the Serial Squadron Cinema Cliffhanger Archive earlier this year. Boris Karloff plays two roles in the movie both of them with malicious intent and it's great this was 10 years before universal's frankenstein so it's a leaner and meaner karloff and in the episodes in which he appears i was captivated now that's not to say karloff is the only reason to watch this serial it's a really interesting story 
and a fascinating production. Go look up the Hope Diamond on Wikipedia and you'll read some interesting, shall we say, legends about the real diamond and the curse supposedly surrounding it. This serial plays on that, and I was captivated. Additionally, it's interesting to me to see a movie from the 1920s in which a woman was given such prominent credit. May Yo, and I apologize, I may be mispronouncing the last name. She was an actress in the movie, but she was also involved in the writing as well. Her name appears in several of the title cards. And some of this might have been because in real life, she was at one point married to someone to have actually owned the Hope Diamond. But still, it's fascinating. Now, obviously, I've never seen the original materials. The first time I saw the Hope Diamond mystery was when the Serial Squadron released it. It was already restored. It is a silent film, and it's 93 years old. So it's aged a little bit. However, it is far from unwatchable. It's enjoyable to view, especially for someone who's interested in older films. Music by Kevin MacLeod has been added to the movie. And overall, the musical choices work really well. There's also a few sound effects here and there. The images are as clear as they can be, and the color tinting, well, it's evocative. I highly recommend The Hope Diamond Mystery, and you can find it at SerialSquadron.com for $29.95. Now, the rest of the movies on the Monster Kid Radio Holiday Gift Guide can be found at places like Amazon and other online retailers, as well as maybe your local brick-and-mortar store, if you have one. If you have to shop online, remember, we do have the Amazon shop over at MonsterKidRadio.net. Here's where you're going to find things like the Film Chess Media Group's recent digitally transferred version of 1959's The Killer Shrews. As of right now, it sells for $6.49. Now, it's a bare-bones release, but for $6.49, what do you expect? It looks good, though. The transfer is one of the best I've seen, and as a monster movie, it holds up well, too. Just go back into the archives and listen to the episode with me and Scott Morris when we talked about this movie. Another bare-bones release on the gift guide this year comes from Universal's Vault series. I'm talking about 1944's The Jungle Woman. When you think of Universal monster movies, you think of the big guys. You know, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, The Bride of Frankenstein, even though she's only got like nine minutes of screen time, The Invisible Man, The Mummy, The Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, of course, Creature. But those aren't the only monster movies that Universal made. I mean, there are a number of monster movies that Universal produced and released in the 30s, 40s, and 50s that we sometimes don't talk about, partly because Universal doesn't talk about them. The movie Jungle Woman is the second in a three-film series. Yeah, it's a sequel to a movie called Captive Wild Woman. That was released in 1943. And... I think it's unfortunate that this particular series doesn't get a lot of attention. And I'm just saying that only having watched the first two installments. I haven't even watched the third film because the third film isn't out on DVD. In fact, this is the first time that Jungle Woman has been released on DVD. The first film in the series, Captive Wild Woman, was released in a box set with not a lot of fanfare. And I think that's unfortunate and unfair. Evelyn Anchors plays a prominent role in the film, as does John Carradine. Now, one of these two doesn't survive into the next film. The other person is named Evelyn Anchors. She does make it to the second film, along with another one of the leads from the first film. And in, in Jungle Woman, we've got J. Carol Nash taking on this mad doctor scientist type. So it's got the pedigree. It's a tight film, it's short, it gets to the point pretty quickly, and Aquanetta plays the jungle woman in the film. She also played it in Captain Wild Woman, but somebody else took over the role in the final film. Aquanetta, I thought she was great, and she's somebody that I'd like to learn a little bit more about. Of course, you know that I'm a big fan of Evil and Anchors, so to see Anchors in another monster movie, well, 
you know I'm there. So Jungle Woman, which again is part of the Universal Vault series, is something that I highly recommend. It's 1998, and I know it might be a little pricey for a bare bones release, but it's a decent copy. It's a decent transfer, and maybe if enough people pick it up, Universal will be motivated to release the third and final film in this so-called Ape Woman series. The third film has Rondo Hatton in it, for crying out loud. These movies did enjoy a VHS release, and finally... Jungle Woman's on DVD. So how about something with a bit more in the way of special features? Check out Shout Factory's The Vincent Price Collection 2. Eight Vincent Price films presented on Blu-ray. Okay, you ready? Here we go. House on Haunted Hill, The Return of the Fly, The Comedy of Terrors, The Raven, The Last Man on Earth, Tomb of Lygia, and Dr. Fibes Rises Again. New audio commentaries, short documentaries, trailers, still galleries... This set is packed with Vincent Price goodness and currently runs about fifty-seven, sixty-seven on Amazon. Now that's less than eight fifty a movie on this set. I mean, come on, House on Haunted Hill on Blu-ray, Last Man on Earth on Blu-ray. That's a dramatic pause. Yeah. Now, 1955's The Quatermass Experiment was also released on Blu-ray here in the states this year by Kino Lorber. For $16.99, you get the movie, an interview with filmmaker and Quatermass fan John Carpenter, audio commentary with Val Guest and Hammer historian Marcus Hearn, and even the trailers from Hell episode covering the movie. Longtime listeners of Monster Kid Radio or even 1951 Downplace know that I'm a sucker for the scientist as hero trope in these classic monster movies, and the character of Quatermass, he's one of the best. Now, granted, in this movie, this is Brian Dunleavy as Quatermass, but... And I may I know catch some flack for this. He really is my preferred Quatermass when it comes to the Hammer films. Hey, speaking of Hammer films, let's change gears here and talk about some books. Peveril Publishing just released the book Hammer's Film Legacy from Quatermass to the Devil's Daughter by Wayne Kinsey. It's 408 pages filled with amazing pictures and stills, interesting information about the Hammer films from 1954 to 1975, film to script comparisons. And it's a well-built book, considering that you'll be spending a lot of time with it. Now, what I like most about this full-color hardback is that it really serves two purposes. First, it's an enjoyable read. Wayne Kinsey has done a wonderful job going through Hammer's filmography and constructing the story of the studio in an easy-to-digest-and-understand way. He doesn't go over our heads, but goes into enough depth and detail for Hammer fans to really find some enjoyment in the book. Second... It's a great resource, and I know it's something that I'm going to be going back to time and time again just to go look something up, double-check a reference, or get a quote about a movie. Or maybe I'll be bored one afternoon and just want to start looking at some awesome photos. This book is filled with them. Now, there is a limited print run on this book of only 500 copies. As of this recording, it is still available, but you can only get it directly from the publisher, Peveril Publishing, which is based in the UK. Now, the cover price is £45. But for now, and I don't know how long this price will hold, it's only £35. Head over to peverillpublishing.co.uk to order the book. You can hit rewind and go back and re-listen to the website address, but just go to monsterkidradio.net. That's where we're going to put links to everything that I'm talking about in the gift guide. Now, another reference book that was released this year comes from McFarland. It's another 408-page tome called The Creature Chronicles Exploring the Black Lagoon Trilogy. All right, 
I'll say it again. Everybody knows it by now, but just in case you are new, Creature from a Black Lagoon is my favorite film of all time. So, of course, I've got a number of books talking about the movie, talking about the people involved with the movie. I've got interviews. I've read articles. I'm a fan. I love this film. Well, authors Tom Weaver, David Schechter, and Steve Cronenberg also love these films, and they are the people behind this book. Now, it currently sells for $60, but it's so worth it, and I'll tell you why. It's hardback one, so it's going to hold up. It's got a wonderful dust jacket. The cover art is amazing. They took some classic monster movie art, kind of modified it a little bit, which... If you go back and look at episode images for Monster Kid Radio, you'll see that I like to do that too. So that's something that I respond well to. The cover art, though, is nothing compared to what's in the book. We get an introduction by Julie Adams herself. And I'm kind of obsessive about my Julie Adams, and there's stuff in here that I didn't know. Just in the introduction itself. It goes through all three films, talks about a production history, and gives us information photos, material that I've never seen before or I've only seen touched on before, it's in this book. For example, there's a list of titles that were considered before settling or deciding to go with Creature from the Black Lagoon. During Black Lagoon pre-production, the name of the movie was up in the air. As early as September 1st, publicity man Archie Herzoff was asking his colleagues to propose other titles. Staffers were told that the title needed to suggest the shock and mystery value and perhaps the prehistoric implications of the story. However, we have been asked to stay away from words like monster or beast to avoid a title that might downgrade the picture. As of September 11th, the list of offered up titles included Amazon, The Amazon Man, the Being from the Dawn of Time, The Black Pool, The Chain of Life, Cruise of the Pongo, Curse of the Amazon, Expedition Terror, The Fossil That Lived, Grotto of Fright, The Hand from the Past, Jungle Nights, Lost Age, The Lost World, a bit much taking that earlier novel and the movie's basic story and Amazon setting, plus its title, The Manfish of Horror Leagues, the Morajon Man, Mystery Man from the Amazon, Pongo. Since the dawn of that's just the tip of the iceberg, and I know that sounds minor, but I mean, I had no idea. Did you? Well, clearly Weaver, Skechter, and Cronenberg did because they put it in this awesome book. This is such a great tome, filled with. Oh man, I kind of want to stop recording right now so I can just kind of sit down and go back and reread part of this. I have read it cover to cover. It's amazing. And part of the reason why it's so good is because it's very well written. It's incredibly easy to understand. It doesn't go over your head. Even the sections about the film music, and I'm a film score guy, so I'm sensitive to this, but even the sections about the film music, they aren't too heady. You still are able to follow along and get it. And I think that's a testament to the writers and the publisher. You'll find March 1954 as Creature from the Black Lagoon's release date in reference books, but they're all wet. Michiganders got an advanced look at the newest addition to the Universal Monster franchise as multiple prints of the movie played at that state in February. According to ACE researcher Robert J. Kiss, the movie was released early to Michigan theaters belonging to the Butterfield chain world premiering at Detroit's 2,700-seat Broadway Capitol Theater on February 12th and then appearing at other Butterfield theaters for five days, 
February 13th through 17th, 1954, the doors of the Michigan Theater in Traverse City opened at 11.15 p.m. for midnight screenings of The Black Lagoon. See, that's what I'm talking about. Easy to read, easy to understand, and brand new stuff that you may not have known about the film. The Creature Chronicles exploring the Black Lagoon trilogy. Solid stuff. So that's a classic film, and Creature is a bonafide classic. I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. Would you consider Plan 9 from Outer Space a classic? Or Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Or how about this? Manos, The Hands of Fate. The car drives up to the lodge where Torga waits. He is a jittery man with a beard, hat, and staff. Margaret is afraid of him. Mike gets out of the car and opens the car door for the family. They go to meet Torgo. He speaks in a strange, halting cadence. Torgo. I am Torgo. (laughs) I take care of the place while the master is away. Margaret looks confused. Torgo. But the child. I'm not sure the master would approve. Or the dog. The master doesn't like children. Margaret, we only want to know where Valley Lodge is. Mike, which way do we go? Torgo, there is no place like that around here. Margaret, Mike, I'm scared. It's getting dark. Mike, well, Torgo, which way is out of here? Torgo, there is no way out of here. It will be dark soon. There is no way out of here. Margaret, no way out? Mike, well, you know, we could spend the night here and then tomorrow we... Margaret, but oh, Mike, I I don't want to spend the night here. I don't like the looks of the place. Mike, well, it seems we have no alternative. Well, how about it, Torgo? Can we spend the night here? That came from the Alternate History's Classics of Filmdom script for Manos the Hands of Fate. Now, they have released three scripts. These are little pocket-sized scripts, and there's three of them for the three movies I mentioned. Now, my guess is what they did is they went through and they transcribed the film. They didn't actually get the official script because they probably couldn't use the official script. These movies are in the public domain. That doesn't mean the screenplay is. But if you go and you watch the movie and then generate your own piece of work from the public domain source, well, then you're okay and in the clear. And that's what it looks like they did over at Alternate Histories. For $18, you get all three. Now, this was a crowdfunded project earlier this year. But now they're available through the Alternate Histories website. Go check out AlternateHistories.com. They've got some awesome holiday cards that I try to use. Some pretty cool prints as well. But this Classics of Filmdom set of three scripts, and it's just fun. To have these movies that are oftentimes mocked, sometimes deservedly so, get the classic treatment. And that's what we're about here at Monster Kid Radio. I don't care what anybody says. I like Manos the Hands of Fate. I like it straight. I don't need Mystery Science Theater to make it better for me. I enjoy the film quite a bit. Plan 9 from Outer Space, I say it's a classic. There is a loud beeping noise. Lieutenant Harper. Hey, do you hear anything? You see anything out there, Kelton? Kelton. Too dark, Lieutenant. But something started stinking awful bad. Jeff. There's something out there. The old man approaches. Kelton fires his gun, but is knocked out. Harper fires his gun. The ship engages its decomposure ray, and the old man disintegrates, leaving only a skeleton. Edwards. What do you make of that? Lieutenant Harper. 
You got me. It didn't look that way a minute ago. Edwards, what about your man? Lieutenant Harper. Oh, in the excitement, I forgot all about Kelton. He'll be all right in a few minutes. Kelton wakes up. Did you see that thing? Did you get it? Lieutenant Harper. We got it. Kelton. What was it? It didn't fall. I fired every bullet I had. Lieutenant Harper. So did I. I don't know what it was or what happened, but unless that bag of bones over there can reassemble itself, it's out of the running now. I think this is a fun gift. Like I said, it's $18. And yeah, I've already given a set to somebody else as a gift. In fact, a number of the things that are on the Monster Kid Radio gift guide are things that I've given away to people as gifts. So it's not just me creating a list. This is something that I've actually used. A moment ago, I mentioned that these movies are in the public domain, which means that anybody can take them and do whatever they want to them. Well, an author friend of mine and friend of yours, Stephen D. Sullivan, did that a couple of years ago with his novel, White Zombie. Well, this year, he released an original story in the form of Daikaiju Attack, The Rise of the Gorgon, is available now for Kindle, for ebooks, on Amazon. You can buy an actual physical copy of the book. Monster Kid Radio approves of this book. I love giant monster movies, and Daikaiju Attack is like reading one, courtesy of Stephen D. Sullivan. This originally began as an online serial. He would write an installment, put it online, let people read it, write the next installment, put it online, people read it. Well, he's finally collected all the installments and released it as a novel for you to enjoy. She sniffed the air but smelled only faint wisps of smoke and a lingering earthy odor from the blast, both of which she'd noticed before starting her trek. No indication of a big fire there. Plus, the blackish cloud over the meteor's landing site had been growing steadily thinner, not more dense. The possibility of a big blaze still made Aki nervous. She'd almost been caught in a wildfire once while on assignment near Kurei. Being surrounded by flames was not an experience she cared to repeat. Nothing's burning, she told herself, pressing ahead. There's no fire. She had almost reached the top of the ridge now, and she felt certain that she'd find the impact, crater, and perhaps an actual meteorite on the other side. Her body tingled with anticipation. She was an explorer on the verge of a great breakthrough. Beyond the next rise lay something no human had ever seen before. Undiscovered country. Again, a disclaimer here. As with Mim, I'm a friend of Sullivan's, but even if we weren't friends, I'd still really enjoy his work. And I think somebody lucky on your gift list this year would enjoy Daikaiju Attack. The next book on the Monster Kid Radio gift guide, you know, you can get it in two ways. You can pick up the short story for your e-reader, or you can pick up a collection of short stories in which this story appears. I'm talking about the collection First Seas and Other Tales by Frank Schildener. I mention it because this collection includes the short story Big Ol' Scorpion. I loved Big Ol' Scorpion. There, standing in the middle of the scrub a few hundred yards away, was a scorpion. It was black as night and big enough to make an elephant nervous. Now, I've spent lots of time in the desert, and I know scorpions and the like. They're dangerous little buggers, but on the whole, keep to themselves. The biggest I ever seen before that moment was a couple of inches long. The sight of this monster made my twisting guts do a jitterbug. Holy mama! I yelped, jumping back a good few feet. Call the sheriff, sir! Things just gone bad! The massive man, whose name I was to learn was Gus, shook his head slowly again. Nothing went wrong here, youngster. I stared at him, incredulous that anyone could see a giant scorpion and react like it was a normal happening. 
you get Cadillac-sized scorpions hereabouts regularly? What scorpion? The man asked, looking straight at the massive creature as it stood slowly twitching on a rock. I had Frank on the show earlier this year, again, check the archives, to talk about Big Old Scorpion, his influences, and yeah, he's a monster kid like us, but I didn't need to interview him and have him on the show to learn that, because it's so evident in his fiction, in his writing. Big Old Scorpion is a combination of Rockabilly, Elvis Presley, John Agar, Willis O'Brien, Monster, I mean, it's tailor-made for people like us. As an individual release, as a one-shot release, or actually the publisher, Pro Se Press, calls it a single shot. It's 99 cents, and it's worth every penny. I would have gladly paid a couple of bucks for it as an ebook, actually, despite the fact that it is a short story. If you like Frank's writing, or if you like pulp, or more specifically, if the people on your gift list like this kind of thing, First Seas and Other Tales is $9 as a print edition, again, from Pro Se Press. Now, this is a collection of short stories by Frank Schildener. And each one of these short stories feels like it's the introduction or the start of something big. I feel like that he could take every single one of these short stories, use that as a prologue for something bigger or more stories with these characters, that sort of thing. And that includes Big Old Scorpion. You've got Lovecraftian terrors. You've got a monstrous twist on an infamous gangland hit. You've got alternate history stuff happening here. He's all over history. He's all over geography. And he's got a number of wonderfully written and deftly created characters for your friend or family member to spend time with in this book. So First Seas and Other Tales, that's on the gift guide. But if you just want the story, Big Old Scorpion, well, that's on it too. To wrap up the book sections, we're going to go back to a reference book. I'm talking about The Very Witching Time of Night, Dark Alleys of Classic Horror Cinema. This is from Gregory William Mank. Again, the publisher is McFarland. It currently sells for about $43. It's over 400 pages. And I think the best way to put it is to say that Mank has collected quite a bit of material about these classic horror movies or classic horror cinema over the years for his other projects. Mank is a well-known film historian, especially when it comes to genre cinema. And my guess is, sometimes in some of these books, there just wasn't room for something that he wanted to include. Well, in The Very Witching Time of Night, it feels like a collection of these individual pieces finally finding a home in this collection. We get to learn about the shooting of the movie Murders in the Zoo. We get to hear a little bit about John Barrymore. You get to learn a little bit about Helen Chandler. I mean, this is a fascinating read. And just like Weaver and company, Mink's writing style, I mean, he's one of us, so he doesn't try to speak above us. He is aiming his words directly at people like you and me, which makes this book a fascinating and enjoyable read. All right, let's get away from books, not because I'm tired of reading. don't think that would ever happen, but because I want to talk about some toys. I want to talk about the reaction action figure line that launched this year from Funko. So what Funko has done is they've taken the old three and three quarter inch style action figure model. This is what the classic Star Wars toys looked like. Not a lot of articulation. You had your legs, you had your arms, you had your neck, and that was it. But if people of my age, people who grew up in the 70s and 80s, This was the action figure design. This was Star Wars. This was G.I. Joe. This was every other knockoff. This was the action figure's mold. And Funko has taken this design to a number of retro properties. That's why it's called Re-Action. And the retro properties that we are most concerned with here on Monster Kid Radio are the Universal Monsters. There's a creature from the Black Lagoon figure. There's an Invisible Man figure. There's a Frankenstein's monster, a Dracula, a Bride of Frankenstein, an Invisible Man, a Wolfman, a Mummy. I've seen them sell anywhere from $10 to $15. 
There are some chase figures, some variants, like a glow-in-the-dark creature. I don't have the glow-in-the-dark creature. I do have the creature from the Black Lagoon figure, though, and I can't decide if I want to open it up because it looks like a piece of artwork because of the way it looks in the box art, well, the card art. It's packaged just like one of those old Star Wars action figures. Suppose I could probably just pick up a second one. I do have my eye on the Invisible Man one because the sculpt of the Invisible Man is awesome. Now, the Dracula sculpt, meh, not so great, but they had to go pretty generic with that one because of the issues regarding using Lugosi's likeness if Lugosi's heirs aren't involved. So I understand why they had to go a little bit more generic with that, but still, I'd love to have a complete set. I don't know what I'd do with them. That's why I settled on just having the creature for now. Like I said, I've seen them from $9.99 to about 15 bucks. When I go to the bookstore, when I go to Barnes & Noble, I see a disheveled cardboard display of these figures. There were other figures released in this line as well. Things from like Escape from New York, the Rocketeer, the Goonies. But again, the Universal Monsters, that's where it's at. That's our jam here at Monster Kid Radio. And that's why these are on the gift guide this year. Finally, this is going to be less specific and more broad. I challenge you to buy either an individual issue or more importantly, perhaps a subscription to a classic monster movie magazine for a friend or family member for the holidays. Scary Monsters Magazine, Monsters from the Vault, Little Shop of Horror, G-Fan, Mad Scientist, Monster! That's monster with an exclamation mark. These are all magazines that I read on a regular basis. And really, guys and gals, I've heard rumors that at least two of the magazines that I subscribe to and pick up regularly are going to be going away soon. It's kind of sad. I feel like the classic monster movie magazine is a staple for monster kids like us. This is something that we love. This is something that monster kids were united around in the very beginning, thanks to Forrest Ackerman and Famous Monsters of Filmland. This is something that's important. So find a monster magazine, a classic monster magazine, doesn't matter which one, that would make the gift guide this year. That would make the monster kid in your life very happy. Again, there will be links to all of this in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Monster Kid Radio. The gift guide, it was a lot of fun. Loved putting it together. And a big thanks to my wife, Brenda, who did the readings, the sections of the books on the gift guide. That was her lovely voice. So thank you, Brenda, for doing that for me. I'm sure the listeners appreciate it as well. Now, next week on Monster Kid Radio, bringing back somebody who hasn't been on the show in a while, sculptor Tom Bigler. To bring in some rocks with them. We're going to talk about the monolith monsters on Monster Kid Radio next week. That's going to be fun. I've already recorded that episode. It was a blast, and I can't wait to share that with everybody. Here at MonsterKidRadio.net, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever other app you use to follow podcasts, well, we'll see you here next time. We're going to close out the show with a song that we used in 2013 to celebrate this time of year. Talking about the song, The 12 Days of Christmas. It comes from the Nick Adams Christmas record from the band, The Nick Adams. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. You can find them over at thenickadams.com. And that's Nick as in the name and Adams as in science.com. Talk to everybody next week. Okay, boys, gather around. I'm going to teach you a little Christmas music. Shall I get my guitar? Yes, Coburn, get that guitar. I'll go get my bass. No, that's okay. On the first day of Christmas, Nick Atoms gave to me a Die Monster Daha DVD. Oh, I see how this works. Why don't you give it a try, Coburn? On the second day of Christmas, Nick Atoms gave to me 
Two days in the valley and a teacher's pet on TV. Hey, 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 you can't just change the lyrics whenever you feel like it. You can. It's all about yes, giving oh, wait, the spirit oh, yeah, of Christmas. Right, you want to play that game? Fine. Here we go. On the third day of Christmas, Nick Adam gave to me three days of the kind of two horse town and fever heat on TV. You're getting the hang of it. Now watch your meter. And here we go. On the fourth day of Christmas, Nick Atoms gave to me four weddings and a funeral, three men and a baby, 200 cigarettes and pillow talk on DVD. On the fifth day of Christmas, Nick Atoms gave to me five Four short films by Robert Wheeler, Three Students Meet Hercules, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Twilight of Honor on DVD. On the sixth day of Christmas, Nick Adams gave to me six days, seven nights, the six million dollar man. Wingard, that's supposed to be the five part. All the seven threw me off, I'm sorry. And five on the backhand side. 4D Man 3 The Hard Way 2000 Maniacs and the Hell is for Heroes on DVD. Alright, now let's show you. I'll show you. I, ch- I, I challenge you to do it in the tongue of Kung Fu. I accept your challenge. On the seventh day of Christmas, Nick Atoms gave to me seven samurai, six Kung Fu heroes, five fingers of Four Shaolin Challengers, three Ninja Tiny Unit Mega Mountain, two Fists of Death, and the Killing Jar on DVD. <laughs> wow, that was good. On the eighth day of Christmas, Nick Adams gave to me eight heads in a duffel bag, seven doors of death, six string samurai, five seven Little That's girls, sick. three ninjas, knuckle up, two hundred motels, and no, no time for second DVD. On the ninth day of Christmas, Nick Adam gave to me nine plans from outer space. Hey, that's plan nine. Oh, shut up. Eight men out, seven for December, six days in June. Four musketeers, three ninjas, kick back. On the tenth day of Christmas, Nick Atoms gave to me ten million BC, nine and one half weeks, eight legged freaks, seven Morgan Freeman, six days in Waswell, five loose women. Four fingers of the dragon, three ninjas, two if by sea, and the intern on DVD. On the eleventh day of Christmas, Nick Adams gave to me eleven. All right. You pick the game, by the, ah. you pick the game you play by the rules, you die like a fool. Eleven comma oceans, ten commandments, nine letters for the cat, eight million ways to die, seven year it, six packs of candy Rogers, five thousand things of the doctor. For a few dollars more, three o'clock high, two mafioso against Goldfinger, and Frankenstein captures the world on DVD. We've only got one day left. Hurry up now. Do it with passion. On 
Christmas is all about.